to build community, what you're doing is building an invitation to conversation. You are creating that invitation and then you're welcoming people. I think that that's the way that I think all of us on the team see it is that we are hosts of this, of this space where people trust us with their time and with their experience. And so I think there is a lot of that host mentality that has to happen where it's not necessarily, certainly we do like start conversations and we always jump in on conversations, but it's so much more wisely and kindly choosing the right connections and then letting people build their relationships on their own and us just being the hosts that know enough because we're in it every day to really make those connections for people rather than trying to own all of the connections. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host, and the person you're listening to is Rebecca Marshburn. Rebecca is a brilliant community manager, and I'm recording this interview as part of a mini-series I'm going to do about community management for businesses. As you know, at BeTheStage.Live, we help companies build communities as a growth lever, and we're seeing amazing results, but we're obviously not the only people who's doing this. Multiple companies around the world are building communities as a way to grow their businesses, as a way to communicate with their audience, both clients and prospects, as a way to get amazing feedback to every new idea and concept that they have, and as a way to provide customer service and customer success in the most effective way. Since all other marketing channels are getting highly saturated and have diminishing rates of return, Growing a community becomes the tool for businesses to grow in the near and definitely in the longer future. And hence, I decided to record this mini-series about communities for businesses. This is just the first episode of many, and I'm going to highlight them every time they show up. In this first and fascinating episode of this mini-series, Rebecca is going to share with us how to start a community even before you have a product or a service to sell, how to engage people in the community, and how to really build a community versus an audience where other people participate in the conversation and provide value to each other. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Accelerator. And we're doing this jointly with CLI, which is the uh, Community Leadership Institute, and with the B2B Community Builder Show. So this is a really unique opportunity, and we're doing this live from CLIX, which is the conference put by CLI to bring together people who manage communities. And together with me is Rebecca Marshburn, which I hope I got the name right. You did. I did. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me and uh, nailed the name. I, first time. I, I, I didn't mess it up even once. As somebody with a really problematic name, I'm very careful to not butcher other people's names. 
So Rebecca, tell us a little bit about what you do and what brought you to the world of community management. Absolutely. So I'm the head of community at Common Room, which is a software tool that helps community leaders deepen relationships, build better products and drive business impact. We are really excited to come here today to see community leaders in person, to see people getting together, understanding the like the depth and range of the community tooling space and the different philosophies and community building strategies that people have been using to build their communities across industries. Common Room is a software tool that helps people uh, build better relationships and build better products and drive business impact. And so we're really excited to be here because it's a really big occasion for us. Only last week did we become fully open and available for everyone to use for the public. So people can get started for free with our software tooling that helps community leaders everywhere understand um, the depth of like member activity, organizational and reporting data around how people are engaging in their communities so they can serve them better. So we're really excited to be here. Amazing. So it's a, it's a scoop, right? It's a, it's a first exclusive announcement that it's the first time that, it, we, that people can actually do that, right? Yeah. 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 This it, is the first event that we've been at where we're able to say, hey, get started for free today versus, hey, like contact us and let's talk and people can just use the tool now. Amazing. So I, I want to really start with your approach to community, right? Before we talk about the tool. So what do you see the community? How do you serve the community and how is the community serving common room? Yeah, I wonder if, so as a community-based tool, we obviously, hopefully very firmly believe that community first is the way to build. And so we opened our community, which we call Uncommon at Common Room, even before the product was fully available for everyone to use. And that was because we wanted to bring people who are community builders and leaders together so that they could at least talk about, meet each other, build those connections. There's no shortcut to trust. So build those relationships and like trusted connections with each other so that it wasn't just around using Common Room as a tool best in a platform to build their communities, but so that they could get to know each other and what their different goals were. Communities might have shared commonalities. Like you want people to be able to engage. You want people to be able to trust each other's like expertise. You want people to be able to share knowledge and have a safe space to ask questions. But then each community, depending on the company or organization that they're built for is going to have a little bit of a diff different personality and different needs. And so we wanted to enable people to meet each other beforehand, get to know each other, understand who shared their goals, who had different goals, how they were approaching different things. So we started Uncommon um, almost a year ago, wow. and or I guess like nine months ago. And so it was a community gathering place for community leaders and people interested in the community building space so that we could help people forge those connections and trusted relationships even before they were able to use, let's say, Common Room as a tool. So now it's an extra on top of that. Like now people can also say, hey, I'm using Common Room in this way. And as you already know, you know, some of my goals are X, Y, and Z. How are other people using it to achieve these? And so it's maybe the icing on the cake, right? That Common Room is now available, but Uncommon as a community is a place for community leaders to share that expertise in a trusted and safe space. Fascinating. I have so many follow-up questions. I don't even know where to start. But I, but I will start with, with one thing that I want to add on what you said, which I find really, really smart. So Dave Gerhardt, one of the smartest marketing people on the planet today, just released a book called Founder Brand, mm. which basically says, how do you build a community, an audience, a following 
around a person from the company, in his case, the founder. And the first place he did this, the place he experimented with this was with a company that did not have a product yet. So he's like, this is my way to create a community of people who will be interested in the product in the future once we have our product. And he's the only one until right now that I knew that I actually did that. So I find this amazing that you guys did this. But here's my follow-up question to, to what, what you just said. How did you attract people? Right. So right now, you have a product. You're like, okay, if people are interested in this, then they'll be interested in the community. What was the hook? that you use to start building the community to attract people to become a part of this before you had anything to offer them? That is a great question. And I think a lot of people would approach this in a lot of different ways. The way that we approached it was we did couple it, like our announcement of Common Room as um, a company at all. So we were in stealth. We had had like over $50 million in funding, which was, you know, we're really grateful for from a incredible group of investors. And then, so we, what we're doing was coming out of stealth and saying, Hey, you know, have this funding announcement. We're going to be building this product. And we've already been building it with like some very key customers who were giving us really great feedback, but we coupled that announcement also with opportunities to join, subscribe to the community. So we actually started out just as a community-based newsletter. And so as people were just really interested in the space that Common Room was entering and that when we had that first like Forbes article when we came out of stealth and drove people to our website, we had a section that said, you know, do you want to stay in touch around community-based knowledge sharing? Are you interested in community learnings? If so, please subscribe to our Uncommon newsletter. We're going to start out as a newsletter and then continue to build on top of that. And so we were just a humble newsletter, knowing that we had a larger vision, but we just wanted to be able to make sure that we could collect the people that were already interested in this. And then through that news, we were able to highlight a ton of great work from community thinkers and builders. And then ultimately, I think three to four months later, we had opened the Slack. And then we already had that bridge available to say, hey, we know that you um, get our newsletter. If you'd like to join us in real time, right, and have real time conversations, please join us on Slack. And that was the first thing that we did in terms of opening a like synchronous communication channel. Love that. So I'm going back to what you said, find a topic that will be interesting to your future target audience, create a way to educate them from some kind of content, right? It could be a podcast, could be a newsletter, it could be a way to provide that value. And then people will come because they want the value and evolve from there. The other thing that you said that I really, really liked is start with one thing that you can be really good at. Instead of trying, because a lot of people are like, oh my God, I need to be on Twitter and I need to write a podcast to have a podcast and I need to write a blog post every three days and I need to have a Discord, uh, a, a Discord server and so on and so forth. And, and then you're just too much in the tactics and not really having any good strategy. So I love these steps. I want to go back to the, to the newsletter. Mm-hmm. How did you get people to sign up to the newsletter? Like what was the process and the hook? Because a lot of people really want to do this. Like, well, I, don't, I can write a great newsletter, but nobody would come and sign up for that. So what was the hook for that? Honestly, so I think that the hook was Common Room, right? Because we had, okay. we had basically started our manifesto saying, you know, you're a product-led, community-led growth leader. You know that, that community is the future of building. And if you believe in this, then like Common Room is a tool that we are building for you. And so if you want to stay in touch around our ethos about what we're building at Common Room and the way that we believe in community, 
then you'll want to sign up for this newsletter, or we suspect you might want to sign up for this newsletter. So I think the hook itself, for us at least, the two things were, were interconnected in terms of even though the product wasn't available, the, the ethos behind why we were building the product also fed into why would why would we be building a community? And we firmly believe that we had to walk our talk. So it was also, if we are a community-based tool and platform, then then how do we demonstrate? We can't just tell people that. We have to show people um, what it means to build community from zero. And so we also wanted to start exactly how a lot of our future customers would start, which is to say, you're, you, you're just seeding your community. What does that feel like? What are the pain points? What happens when you want to go from seeding to growing to maturing? And what is the trajectory of that? And so we're also like using our own, we're also using Common Room ourselves to be able to, let's say, I, some people say eat your own dog food or drink your own champagne, you know? So we wanted to make sure yeah. that if that the, that the ways we were suggesting to other folks to use a community platform or an intelligent community growth platform, which is what we call ourselves at Common Room, that, that we could also apply that to the community that we were building and that we would, that we could fully understand what we were, we never want to um, ask if we're not going to get asked for something, if we're not going to give something. And so we wanted to make sure that we could give in a way that was grounded in reality in in something that we had tried ourselves. Yeah. Best practices. Yeah. Awesome. I love what you're saying, but then you get to a phase that is in many cases for most community builders and leaders is the hardest phase, right? So you built an initial following by top down. We're providing value to this group of people which is more of an audience at that point than a community, right? The trick is then, how do you go from that phase of now I have an audience who's uh, quote unquote drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they're interested in what I have to say. What was the methodology or the steps you had to take to go from there to, okay, now it's a community. It's people who are, okay, they're on Slack, but is anybody else actually writing stuff on Slack, providing value on Slack other than Common Room? How do you make that transition? I wish I could say that that we I wish I could say that it's like oh common room or uncommon we were able to do this but it's it I have to give all credit to our community members and then to the experts that we ourselves have learned from. I think so I like to say that to build community what you're doing is building an invitation to conversation. You are creating that invitation and then you're welcoming people and hopefully you know they also they accept the invite. That doesn't mean that you're not a host. Like we have to be there at that party that we've invited people to, to host them. And then sometimes it's like, Hey, you know how I know more about you, let's say, than you know about you. And so as the host, I'm going to introduce these two guests who I think would truly benefit from speaking with each other. And so I think that that's the way that I think all of us on the team see it is that we are hosts of this, of this, space where people trust us with their time and with their experience. And so our job is not necessarily to be like, hey, you should learn from us, but instead to make sure that that invitation to conversation is open and that we use what we know, having been host to the community about each of our guests to make sure that if this person posted one question, I think Carrie Melissa Jones talks about this really well, that for six months to a year to even two years, Sometimes you're like, hey, I know who has a great answer to that, but that person might not feel like they have a great answer. So you DM them on the side and you say, hey, 
I know and trust your expertise in this and someone posted this question, I think you would be excellent to answer it. Would you be okay going in there and answering it? And so I think there is a lot of that host mentality that has to happen where it's not necessarily, certainly we do like start conversations and we always jump in on conversations, but it's so much more wisely and kindly choosing the right connections and then letting people build their relationships on their own and us just being the hosts that know enough because we're in it every day to really make those like those connections for people rather than trying to own all of the connections. I love it, Rebecca. I, I want to kind of like summarize what you said because you said, it, you said it, no, you said it several <laughs> times very well. Think about it more like a live networking event or a cocktail party where you just want to connect the right people with the right people. If you approach it that way and you don't push people to the stage, but you ask, actually, like I said, on a personal level, say, hey, I think you're the best person to answer this, or you should answer this because you have something to benefit from it because you need to know this guy or gal or whatever the case may be, you really, instead of driving the conversation, you're facilitating the conversation, right. which is really what you want to do. And I absolutely love the way you described it. My question is then, how do you know that on people once you start scaling, right? So in the beginning, okay, you have 50 people in their community or 500 people. In 500 people, you probably know well 100, which is enough to go and say, hey, Jim, hey, Melissa, I need you to answer this because of what happens when you have 500,000 people in your community? How do you maintain that ability to do those introductions? Or maybe then it's big enough and it's kind of its own little beast that can feed itself. I don't think you meant to set this up in terms of uh, talking about common room, but that would be the tool that we would use. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, but it really is because it is true at scale, right? When we had 500 people join and, and we're at, I think, around 900. So even at that, and a lot of times I can still, and my teammates and I can still hold a lot of those threads in our head. Yeah. And we also know, you know, like with 900 people, let's say there's one to 2% who are really engaged and then maybe 10% who are sort of engaged. And then the other, let's say 90% who are observing and, and hopefully learning and taking it in, but aren't necessarily actively engaging. Yeah. Um, different names for them, lurkers. I like to call them observers or community witnesses, should you, if you wish. And so with that, let's say super engaged one to 2% and then the 10%, it's, at a smaller, a small enough scale, you can basically understand like who's doing what and, and where people work and why they might have expertise. But once you start seeing that scale with like 70,000, 80,000, I mean, some people get not just on the Slack, but like across all of their connected community sources, yeah. that's that moment where that is why we built Common Room because it used to be, I used to be a community manager at Amazon Web Services. And you would go in and it was like, you're putting your hand into a grab bag and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to try to find today, but I'm going to try to find someone that is like, maybe, you know, it seems like they are having a bad product experience or a great one, but you miss out on all the context of conversations. You don't quite know where they work or whether or not they've interacted with your company before yeah, yeah, yeah. or whether or not they have an unanswered questions. So what we do is we put all of your, we unify all of your community data so all of your members across your community, and then we layer a ton of intelligence on top of that. So you understand like which actions you might want to take and when. So for example, we um, highlight a pre-built cohort called, or a segment of conversations called trending conversations. And then you can see- Who picks all your names? These are amazing. Like- 
<laughs> you can see like, oh, it gets better. It gets better. Let me tell you. So, you know, you can see who the original author was and you understand where they work and whether or not they've contributed to your community before, if they're an influencer that has broad reach, if they're the first person in their organization to have joined your community. And if they're not, you can see all of their teammates as well in the organization they work at. You can see everyone else who is involved in the conversation. And then you can see sentiment. So we talk about the sentiment. We talk about whether or not it does or does not have a response. We auto-categorize it and we say, hey, this was a product question. This was a product appreciation. This was a product complaint or this was a bug or, or issue. And so we allow you to understand who's saying what, how they're feeling, what is the context of the conversation, how quickly it was responded to, which teammates are involved. And then we allow you to quickly collaborate with your team. And so you can say like at ISAR, wanted to let you know that this person asked this question. We've clearly already spoken with them before, or they haven't received a response for eight hours. And we really want to make sure that they feel heard and seen and connected. And so there are just a lot of different ways that we take that information and that we distill down that 50,000 person community so you can fully understand like who needs help and when, or who should be celebrated and when. Or so there's like, for example, you can do alerts where it's like, hey, this person contributed to your community five times last week. Make sure that they get a message that says, thank you so much for your continued contribution. We just want to acknowledge that the fact that what you do in the community keeps this whole place going. Amazing. I absolutely love this. I want to ask you a question about, because you described a very fascinating transition that I think most people want to go through. And you also gave a lot of the practical steps on how to do that. So you started with you creating content moving away from that to you facilitating conversations, which is really what a community is. It's about creating relationships across different people. How much of the content in the community today is created by Common Room and versus how much content is just conversation happening through Uncommon, which again, brilliant name. Thank you. And we love it. And you just help facilitate it. Can you rephrase the question? I'm sorry. So in the community, there's, there's two types of content, right? There's the conversation that's happening, but I'm sure you're also injecting content, like your knowledge, your company expertise, every now and then a thing about a new thing in the product. What percentage is content that the company generates versus what percentage is conversation happening organically within, within the community? Yeah, so I'll focus specifically on our on our Slack because that is where the most real-time interactions happen. Yep. And so for a sake of simplicity of the convo, I think um, to us, it's really important that people don't feel sold to in the community. Um, yep. So we, d- we do have very discrete channels. So for example, the community channel is going to be about certainly people can you know ask something about common room but we we there's community channel there's learning channel there's banter channel there's celebrations channel and then we have very specific common room channels so we have common room product help common room wish list and then common room success stories and so while if someone wanted to ask about the product or talk about the product, we'd probably say, hey, thank you so much for being interested. We have like a channel a for this. Channel. So that way people can feel like if they just want to be there for community building best practices or they just want to have philosophical or more strategic highest level, but outside of the product itself, that they feel still welcome and have a safe space to do that. So we do definitely create a lot of content, sometimes co-created with our community. A lot of times we're just seeing what other people are sharing within the community and we're just doubling down on it. Like, wow, 
we love this content. Thank you so much for sharing it in the future. You know, maybe there's a way that we could figure out a way to um, highlight it on Uncommon's blog um, and make sure, or can we amplify it across our social channels? So we certainly do. We're very active in Uncommon, in the Uncommon community, but we're more active from a common room product side within like product, common room product help. And we say, Hey, we saw this, like, here's the regimented way that you can expect to get an answer so that you know that you're being taken care of, you know, like the, the time around, like, you know, which person on the team is actually taking care of you. And then you can expect a timeline when you're going to get a response. But a lot of the, if it's company based product content, it's probably going to happen in one of those channels. Amazing. So let me try to summarize all of this because it was really brilliant. You want to start a community regardless if you have a product yet. You want to build it around the common future good of the community that you're building it for. Start with lots of knowledge and giving. Transition once you have enough people to rewarding people or like you're saying, introducing people to the right conversations and the right people so they can provide value to each other. And then build unique channels, rooms, call it whatever you want to call it, for different conversations so you're not quote-unquote polluting mm-hmm. the conversation with company promotion or product-related stuff. Is this, is this a good summary of what you guys yeah, are doing? Yeah, that's a great summary. Phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. Thank Rebecca, you for doing that. <laughs> this is what I do. I right? need to be summarized a lot. <laughs> is, no, no, no. What, this was really, really fantastic. Rebecca, this was amazing. I think lots of knowledge. Obviously, you know what you're talking about. And like you're saying, I think it's beautiful that you're, that you're walking the walk, right? You're you're not only developing a product, but you're developing the mindset and methodologies and strategies on how to build communities that obviously informs the product team as well that can evolve to support a community. So it's not just we're doing this for others, we're doing this for ourselves. If, it's, if we can make this work, we can teach other people how to do this, which is amazing. Thank you so much Thank for sharing you. with us. What a joy. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Wasn't Rebecca absolutely fantastic? I totally enjoy the conversation with her. She obviously has amazing knowledge and a lot of history and background in running and managing communities. And in addition to her obvious passion to community building, she provided some really great tactical advice on how to do this right. If you like this kind of content around community, I have a really amazing interview that I've done with Chris Kermitsos, who is the founder of PodFest, which is now the largest community of podcasters around the world. And he shared with me steps for effective building of communities around businesses. If you want to find it, you need to go all the way back to episode 65 of this podcast when it was still called the E-Tribe. But if you're looking for advice on how to build communities, trust me, you want to go back and listen to that one. And until next time, have an incredible week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now.